Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm Joshua Skirtu, and with me, as always, is my lovely wife, Angela Skirtu. Hi, Hi, Angela. Hi, Joshua. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Tell them who you are. Uh, so I'm an ASEC certified sex therapist and a Missouri licensed marriage and family therapist. Nice. And who's our guest today? Today we have with us Megan Garza. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist as well, a certified specialty trauma care supervisor with experience working in the mental health and violence against women field since 1999. Um, she works as an individual and group ther- therapist treating sexual trauma survivors as the lead therapist for the YWCA Women's Resource Center. And she also works for Behavioral Health Response as a mobile outreach crisis counselor. So we'll stop there if that's okay. But if anything I missed that is important, please let us know. No, that's great. Because <laughs> she actually has a huge paragraph, by the way, of all of her amazing accomplishments. We would call her the Wonder Woman of yeah. the therapy field yeah i I, i'm I'm told i'm i'm very verbose in writing (laughs) (laughs) sounds good so good to meet you megan good to meet you guys too so we wanted to start out with a little random something today talk a little bit about hawaii oh yeah what happened in hawaii josh tell us so i posted it on our uh last episode i posted it in the blog if you go to aboutsexpodcast.com i always post a little blog with each episode and in the blog, I talk about how that morning I got a call from my family. Multiple mm-hmm. family members called me because they all live in Hawaii. They're all in Honolulu, Hawaii. And they all told me they're about to die. Yeah. And it wasn't a drill. Like, and it wasn't. Well, no, it was. It wasn't it a was drill. A it was a mistake. But you're getting to the punchline. No. <laughs> you're bad at storytelling. Sorry, guys. Apparently. I screwed it up. <laughs> so they called me and they said, oh, we just got uh, emergency alert. Uh, that says that a missile is inbound to Hawaii. And that's a very specific thing to get in your mm-hmm. on your phone. And it popped right. on everybody's phone across the entire state. Mm-hmm. And they were all screaming and crying. Apparently people that's were terrifying. running from the island. It was, oh, yeah. Yeah, or sure. not the island, from the beach on the island. I guess you couldn't really run <clears throat> off the island, technically. Yeah. Well, no, there was one guy that just started walking straight <laughs> off the island into the water. He was like, he I'm out of here. And he made it to Japan. <laughs> he yeah. made it to Japan. And they were I like. I was wondering how many people were like trying to get the, you know, next flight out as fast mm-hmm. as they could. No, what, if, you, if you're there, go to the North Shore. That's the best thing to do. Yeah, that's what really. I was thinking. Drive as like, as far north like as they you say could. to take cover but really i wouldn't stay in honolulu or pearl harbor like they, mm-hmm. that's where they were targeting yeah, anyway well. <laughs> so the point the point was they called me and my entire family told me they were all about to die yeah they and said, my husband runs out crying i mean like me i don't yeah josh was crying because i mean you don't usually see your husband like bawling and he's well, like, i wasn't bawling i was were... like i was like what the heck what's going on he was bawling it's okay yeah, your and, family and, uh, was gonna die anyway <laughs> I don't cry. You can own that, you. Josh. Own your tears. There was, you would have been there was sad. one tear. There was one tear. <laughs> but no, I was freaked no, out. He definitely. Because my entire family told me they were about to die. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. And you got to um, assume there's a million people on that island. A million people all thought they were about to die. Yeah. That what day. would you do with your life if like that you have literally 10, 20 minutes <clears> left? Because I heard it's like 20 minutes once a nuclear bomb goes across. 20 yeah, minutes. that's what they said. It takes about 20 minutes to get from North Korea for an intercontinental. Blah, 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 missile. <laughs> what would you, you do with your last 20 minutes, Megan? Uh, <laughs> go! My, my mind goes to like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and all the themes of how everyone could, would go go crazy and have sex in the last few yeah. minutes of their oh lives. That was, that, was, oh, that was the big theme in Buffy. And during the apocalypse, everybody breaks down and have sex. Yeah. I well, that's know. teenagers. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really what they do. do for 20 that's minutes, what they right? generally do most days. I, don't I, mean. know. I guess I'd probably do the same as what your family did. I'd probably call my yeah. family and mm-hmm. say, 
My goodbyes. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. said, I love you. That's what I told him. I said, tell them you love them. Like it was, it could have been his last yeah. chance. It was really right. scary. I did. I told him I loved him. And then I looked up online and I found out that it was a fake. So and that lasted like, about, okay, for me, the live. crisis lasted five minutes. For them, it was a whole 40 minutes because yeah. it wasn't, because it took, them it took a while. 38 minutes for the state of Hawaii to realize they had made the mistake and actually post it on the emergency alert system again. So actually like within 10 minutes, the, Honolulu Police Department, they had contacted them and found out that it was a mm. fake, and they were going up and down Honolulu on Waikiki Beach, where all the tourists are, with megaphones saying, you're not going to die. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, there's not a missile coming. Because everybody's freaking out, and they're all right. tourists, so they don't... But uh, not everybody speaks English, too. Think of all the ones right. that still... They're like, the what are they saying? Oh, my God, we need to get to the police. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there are a, lot of, right. a lot of... Well, I'm assuming the emergency alert too. comes in in English, even on a, a foreign cell phone. So if they only speak Japanese, they're like, I don't know what that is. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm presenting at a trauma conference in Hawaii in, in April, and oh, that was cool. one of the things that... I, one of the first things that I thought about was, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> I have a, I, I, the, I'm presenting with a, with some of my coworkers on, uh, or my colleagues uh, on trauma informed care, and mm-hmm. I, I just feel like we're gonna have to, you know, how, figure out how to work that in because, yeah, yeah. obviously, I mean, I think we're gonna have a lot of people who are pretty traumatized oh, by, yeah. by that experience. They're still getting over it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, you ever, death. if you ever face your own death or somebody who's close to you, you mm-hmm. definitely go through that existential crisis where you're like, well, like, what have I done with my life? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, I'm like, am I happy with the choices I've made up into this point? Did I really spend that much time farming invisible crops in Facebook? <laughs> to be fair, though, my first thought when the thing happened was, what did Trump do today? <laughs> <laughs> then it went away. It went away. It, it has nothing fine. to do with him. It, it has nothing just... to do with him, but you know, I'm just... <laughs> Anyhow, it was thing. a crazy time. <laughs> it was a crazy time, but I got to talk to my family. I hadn't talked to them in a couple of weeks, so that was well, nice. How are they doing now? <laughs> oh, they're fine. They're all still a little bit, you know, shook up by it. And now they're wondering when the next one's going to come, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I told them, I told them, next time they call me and tell me that they're about to die in a horrible holocaust of nuclear war they need to make sure it's real because i don't want to get that call again <laughs> no you know that they're you don't like if it doesn't say it's a, like a drill they're right. gonna call you you no. gotta act like it's real no, you don't I like know. well wait josh said we needed to make sure. but that's the thing the emergency alert system cried wolf mm-hmm. to an entire state of people so if it happens next week and it's real nobody's going to believe them. See, okay. one thing we came up with afterwards that was really silly is, you remember that old paperclip guy on, like, the Word Clippy. documents, Clippy? And yeah. so, oh, like, yeah. I think that they should have that for the emergency alert system where he kind of, like, bounces up when you are, accidentally push that like, button. Are you t- are you writing <laughs> are you, about a nuclear threat? <laughs> are, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> Do you really want to click, click send? Because then there's just this... Because there, I feel like there should be, like, a second, you know, like, that's a, a second pretty button. serious... Well, and how somebody take hit, 38 minutes for them for someone to notice that it was not accurate well they noticed within the first few minutes like it was like six minutes they knew because people were calling because people are freaking out out. yeah so they knew but it took them another 32 minutes to do the emergency alert it's harder to redact an alert than it is well no it's just putting another alert out i think it's just they they said there was a shift change actually happening. Oh, <laughs> right. That's so why you need the literally, oh literally, God. they hit a button and everybody left their desks. And they were like, oh, we're and they're like, hey, let's break. go have some coffee. Well, and their chat. phones giving them the alert that you know they yeah, need maybe to take they're cover. not allowed to have their phones. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure their phones went off. Yeah, no, it's I'm sure they knew, but uh, I think they were more like 
kind of reeling like what do we do <laughs> you're like uh-oh oh yeah you go into shock first when you make yeah. a mistake <laughs> i don't know it sounds like they need to it's like, not one you can just take back yeah they might need to clean house a little there <laughs> <laughs> i hope somebody wouldn't get fired for that no. i mean you know it was a total mistake i think that right. that, that like a clippy or something along those lines right. it's more that they should probably yeah, they have, should a have a second they, they should have a they should have an are you sure button are you sure yeah. did you mean to send a missile crisis exactly. <laughs> or is this just a mistake okay that's all enough right, on we'll Honolulu. On. i think but you know but we should my family's should. all alive that's the good news yeah, yeah. family's yeah. alive and Nobody's well dead. well mm-hmm. and you said you were going to hawaii so i mean are you open to talking about what you're doing out there yeah sure so i'm on the board of directors of the national partnership for ending interpersonal violence and i've been working with a group of other people who um uh, we've been working on guidelines uh, about on trauma-informed care and trying to educate the public about trauma-informed care and how to respond to it so like i said that's kind of how i sort of see the link between what you're already talking about is you know how do we um how do we carry that message on to the public uh, so that they can understand and uh, apply different principles to best uh, best help people um, figure out how they can help one another in a mm-hmm. kind way. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what trauma-informed care is? Yeah, what is that? Because <laughs> the people listening are like, what's that mean? Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, aware people are traumatized, but what is trauma-informed <laughs> care? <Yeah. laughs> what trauma-informed care is this idea of being able to look at someone through a lens that is kind of different from your own. So if you're Mm -hmm. taking a trauma-informed care perspective, you're understanding that there are a lot of things that could potentially impact how people are responding. So if you see someone who, you know, is... uh, you know, angry or agitated. Maybe you see a a girl who's gotten into fight at school Mm. and, uh, you know, she suddenly lashed out at, you know, the, you know, the security officer and, uh, and And people just assume, Oh, it's just a bad kid or it's somebody. Yeah. That would not be trauma informed. They'd be like, Oh, they just need to be punished. No, the reality is that behavior is formed through. Yeah, trauma. trauma sometimes. They, they usually have, you know, it's thinking about what are the other things that are impacting that person. Mm-hmm. So how mm-hmm. do our policies, how do our principles impact the way we are treating other people? Right. So, yeah. so you know, you might think that the best thing is to do is to, you know, put your hands on that girl and stop her and tell her no. But, you know, there could be a lot of things that she's carrying with her mm-hmm. from her from her family, from her background mm-hmm. that are causing her to respond the way she is in that exact moment. So yeah. if you're thinking about <clears throat> trauma-informed care, what you're probably going to do is you're going to not go to, there's something wrong with you, you're bad. We're going to go to, you know, what has created this situation? Why is it that this person is responding that way? And what are some other things that we can best do? So we look mm-hmm. at our policies that a lot of people have in place. So instead of it being like a top-down hierarchical sort of process, mm-hmm. we're going to be looking at it as sort of an in interaction. And you know, um, maybe maybe this set of rules might not be the best thing to help somebody out in a given situation. So right. like, if you're in the doctor's office and you know they always make you take off your clothes and get in the you know get in the gowns, you know somebody who has a sexual trauma history mm-hmm. might find that. Little, really, really yeah, upsetting. Triggering, and, um, maybe. Yeah, it yeah. might. It, yeah. In some, you know, sometimes it's unnecessary. Why do we, you know, if you're gonna look at, if you're just gonna look at my back, why do I have to take off all my clothes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why am I getting naked in the doctor's? <laughs> do you get naked every time? <laughs> oh, yeah, just as a precautionary measure. <laughs> I do the same thing at the dentist. <laughs> why? <laughs> what dentist are you seeing? I want to see this dentist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I haven't been to the dentist in years. No, I know. I keep telling him he needs to go to the dentist, and he's like, whatever. They're just going to show me I have cavities. And I'm like, that might be a reason to go to the dentist. It's been well, eight years. That's actually a perfect example because I'm like, with trauma-informed care, you know, like uh, the the ge- assumption generally is that, you know, people just have might be might be uh, uncomfortable with going to the dentist mm-hmm. because they don't like pain. Right. But from a trauma-informed care perspective, we don't understand that some people have sexual trauma histories that mm-hmm. make it so that the dentist could be very, very triggering. You have somebody who is close to you, who's who's you know kind of laying on top of you, standing above, putting you a drill in your face, the, yeah, and, and the, oh, and even shoving things in your mouth, into your mouth, even not being able have to an oral yeah, sex. Now that you talk about history. it, that's kind of graphic. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't go to the dentist, people. No, I think no, that's the most important thing we can take away from this. Trauma-informed yeah. care just means be <laughs> conscious of that and maybe make adjustments to help that person. Right. Go right. to the dentist, not just avoid everything. Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but one of the challenges for people who are struggling with trauma is that that is the tendency is to just avoid, but that doesn't help altogether. There are quite a few things in life we still need to learn to work through. You know, mm-hmm. like you... Here's a really small example. So like somebody um, has a phobia of a spider. You don't want somebody to get to a point where they're literally avoiding walking outside because they're afraid of right. spiders. Exactly. Maybe right? just avoiding nests of spiders well, is okay. <laughs> sure. Maybe but... you don't have to walk out in the woods. But but the point is you need to be able to walk out of your house. Yeah. You need right. to be able to go down right. the street. You right. need to be able to see a dentist. Mm-hmm. It's how can we adjust so that that's exactly. still a possibility, not avoid everything that could possibly be You're never going to get over your fear of spiders if you never get near a spider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in my head, I went not to a good joke, so I'll move along. Me too. <laughs> you did too. All right. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. We did though. because we're trying to be sensitive. <laughs> I, I love that. You I'm going to go ahead and say it. What is you'll it? never get over your fear of rapists until you're around rapists. I went. I wasn't going to go there. I was going to say you'll never get over your fear of penises until you get near a penis. The reality is that's actually <laughs> true. You don't want to totally be around healthy. rapists, but you have to be able to talk about your trauma. I think. For well, a lot yeah. of people. It's totally healthy to not want to be around your rapist. <laughs> sure. That's that no, that no. would be 100%. that would be very adaptive. Yes. Um, but the other things that are associated <laughs> with your trauma. So, mm-hmm. you know, being able to leave the house, maybe it happened in your bedroom, you know, being yeah. able to, you know, be comfortable around that. Or or even a fear of maybe if your perpetrator was a male, a mm-hmm. fear of males. Mm-hmm. You know, oh yeah. Fifty percent of the population is males. So mm-hmm. you know, you, it's not adaptive to go your entire life with avoiding every kind of con- every situation situation where there is a male involved yeah there's a lot of well and i can go a step beyond because i do work with trauma um in terms of sex and how people reintroduce sex into their life but usually after so just like to give kind of people a perspective on this usually people will do some sort of trauma treatment before they do trauma sex therapy because Mm -hmm. the trauma treatment itself is creating that situation where you're trying to feel safe enough where they feel yes where you feel safe enough you feel like a trigger is not going to stop your life entirely but it's still a part of your life but you're working through it and you can still do things adaptively in in your life but then sex therapy takes a step beyond and it's how do we reintroduce a positive sex life with all of those triggers that could still be involved because like i was talking about with the penis for example if a penis was involved in your trauma then if you want to be in a relationship with a man then that may involve who has a penis that would involve potentially having that penis around you trying to be sexual Mm -hmm. and in a positive way and not basically boxing off your entire sex life because well, you're afraid of that penis, to yeah. be fair. And it is a, it's a really <laughs> difficult thing to get to in the it therapy is. process. I mean, I like what you're saying about, you know, saving it for last because that's kind of... kind of do. It, yeah. in, in terms of the healing process, we've got so much work that we need to do up front, but, you know, with psychoeducation and coping and mm-hmm. being able to talk about it before we can even... 
honestly, for many people, being mm-hmm. able to have sex with a partner or even date, I, that that can take a very long time for people to time. get to the end part of the treatment process because yeah. it, it, it requires a lot more uh, a lot more regulation skills before mm-hmm. then. Yeah, a lot more safety. And, I, and I, I think I wanted to put that out there too because I've had clients who maybe started the sex therapy process before they were ready. And I, I think they maybe felt a little bit like failures when they started and they were like, I'm not ready to touch this. Yeah. So like it's totally normal if you're not ready to start sex therapy with your trauma because I mean, if you like, like you're saying, Megan, step. if you haven't even gotten to a point where you can regulate through a regular trigger, mm-hmm. then... Um, I don't know how you can introduce sex. It doesn't mean it's not possible. I've actually worked with quite a few people who have yeah. felt re-empowered or, um, with their sexuality by reintroducing it in a very consensual way. Um, well, conversely, I will have people who, uh, the reason what brings them in in the first place is that they are having problems with their relationships or, course, or they're having problems with their sex life. So then they decide to, you know, it's been it's been 20 years since their trauma, but now they decided that this is the impetus for change for them. This is what motivates yeah. them to come in. Um, but the reality is, is, you know, the actual part where we're getting to uh, work with their... Uh, what we call in PTSD land uh, avoidance symptoms. Avoidance. Yeah, uh, that's a you know over, avoidance is not a judgmental word, even though it might sound like it. But, pe- but no, that's um, what they no, do. It's avoid- adaptive. You try to avoid things that cause pain. A, yeah, and right. it's at clinically clinically it's actually a word that's one of the category subcategories mm-hmm. of PTSD. Mm-hmm. So it is a normal it's a normal response when people are struggling with post post traumatic stress and disorder. Protective, adaptive, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So how do people get over that oh, avoidance? Yeah. Avoidance. Well, you already said it earlier. You never get ne- uh, you never get over your fear of spiders if you yeah. never get near the spider. Right. So, or penises yeah. or dentists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a matter of. Uh, well, I mean, I, I will say this: there is different perspectives depending on which uh, uh, which modality of trauma treatment you're using. Mm-hmm. But in general, what we find is you need to be able to uh, gradually be exposed to elements of it. So mm-hmm. thinking about it peripherally, uh, you know, which is the, like the psychoeducation about trauma. So talking about mm-hmm. myths and facts. So many people have really bad ideas oh, in their gosh. head about what sexual abuse and sexual trauma really is. So what we want to do is... Well, I don't think anybody has good thoughts about sexual <laughs> well, trauma. Well, maybe you should go there. What What's a bad <laughs> like, versus a good? Tell like, I don't that. know what that means. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, so... Um, the idea that it's uh, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, I was asking for it. It was what I was wearing, uh, or asking, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, why were you there? I shouldn't have gone to that place. If, right. Basically, if, anything that's victim blaming or self blaming. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Or the or that um, uh, you know that that um, people lie about lie about rape. They make false reports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when in actuality, it's somewhere between two and eight percent that actually make false reports. Yeah. It's not everybody. It's, it's not a common. minority. It's more commonly it's true. It's a rare. It's a minority of cases. But it does happen. And, that sucks. and it's the equivalent of any other. And those false report rate uh, rates are the equivalent of what you will see with any other any other crime. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to throw it out here too. Like, so let's define this somewhat. Non consent is a big part of assault, rape, and trauma. 
the difference between um, sex that is, you know, like so a lot of sexual things, like like people like to have sex, and Do they? sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying Do to put this out like in a nice sex. way, but I'm tripping up on the words. Just non-consent it. is the issue. So like all of those things are people blaming themselves for for somebody non-consensually acting upon them, and that's where mm-hmm. people need to have a very clear understanding. If you have not consented to an act, I don't care what the act is. That is a trauma. That is an assault. That is that is where we need to define this, and we mm-hmm. need to stop victim blaming because right. that is where we say, well, you those <clears throat> things, those context things that they're talking about. Well, you shouldn't have been at the party, or you shouldn't have drank that much, or you shouldn't have done those things. Well, you shouldn't have done something without my consent. Is yeah. what we need to be saying. Right. You know, the, the the other part of it is, is a lot of times people confuse consent and assent, so they they think that. What's that? that Let's talk about that. <laughs> What's uh, consent and assent? an assent so the idea you know sometimes um people will think that like say if you have a teenager she they oh she can she consented to sex she consented with that sex to having you know to doing this with that that teacher or whatever she mm-hmm. she wanted it she pursued it well um you can give consent which is saying yes but that doesn't mean that you are capable of giving assent right. so uh, right in the state or, of sorry, missouri it's like i think it's 17 or yeah. 14 if it's with another minor for yeah. the age of consent yeah, yeah. so yeah. i mean or mm-hmm. you can get i, I should have let me correct myself you can give assent but that doesn't mean you're actually right. giving consent sometimes so, you're not legally because so you're, you're, you're a saying, kid yes you're, yeah. not, you're if, 12 you're Ten, you know, if whatever. you're a child, mm-hmm. if you have uh, a, a mental mental handicap, if you mm-hmm. uh, are disabled, if you are under the influence of drugs or prisoners alcohol. and prison guards, prisoners can't consent to prison guards. I want to point out one sexual ethic that I teach a lot of people, which is that um, healthy sex is non-exploitive. Is it exploitative or exploitative? Non-exploitative. And what that means is it can't be in a one-down relationship. That's mm-hmm. why doctors aren't supposed to have sex with their patients. That's why prisoners are not allowed to have sex with or prison therapists. guards. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why um, adults are not allowed to have sex with children because that is a one-down relationship. And there are power dynamics at play that can mm-hmm. cause harm to the safety of the person in the down position. Absolutely. Right. Does that make same, sense? Same goes with... Um, Therapists, so, you know that that's right. one of the that's yep. one of the biggest ethics kind of complaint for deal. therapists is you <laughs> stop know, having sex is with having clients. sex with the, with clients and that. <laughs> and which, Does that happen often? It, I that's don't know. the biggest number number one ethics complaint against therapists. Really? really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so terrible. therapists stop having sex with your clients. Yeah, I that mean, is one of our ethical codes, but I don't think there's a legal statute that goes along with it. I'm no. not sure though. Either uh, way, you can u- lose your license. At well, least. you we can for something like that. You just in terms of how we define sexual abuse, it's you know whenever someone is bigger, stronger, older, or more dominant in some way, or has more in a position of power or authority, and uses Mm -hmm. that for sexual exploitation reasons Mm -hmm. to Uh take advantage of someone else for or for the purpose of having sex. Mm -hmm. That is what sexual abuse is. Right. Exactly. And so that's why, as a therapist, if you are, we're telling you what to do with your life. We're helping you make decisions. Yes, you're paying us for that service, but you're not paying us to also also try to manipulate that to get something for ourselves. Right. Absolutely. Well, and that's where that's you know that was big Harvey Weinstein's big big downfall right there mm-hmm. is you know he he was in this of uh, people in people in Hollywood they're in su- such a position of power and authority mm-hmm. they 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 exploited that. Mm-hmm. Right. They used is that, that part of the Me people. Too stuff? Yeah. Gosh. Actually, okay, so she's very interested should, in talking about this. You want to talk about that? A little <laughs> sure. Bit? Like, so the Me Too thing. Explain it to us a little bit. Like, so uh, so hashtag Me Too was started. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the, the 
it originated with Tarana Burke, uh, mm-hmm. and then it was popularized by Alyssa Milano on, I think it was Twitter, um, where um, in response to uh, hearing about, uh, I can't remember which celebrity it started Cosby off with. Cosby or Bill Cosby? I don't know. I think Louis he long C. ago did, but then there was Louis C.K., there was Weinstein, there were quite a few. Yeah. Now I'm hearing so even like Ben kept. Affleck. In response like... to one main case, then she started, she right. she put out mm-hmm. hashtag, you know, she had a, this very nice, uh, very nice sentence about, you know, if for anyone who has experienced sexual abuse <clears throat> or sexual assault or sexual harassment to um, to speak out about it and uh, or just to put hashtag me too and, oh, and wow. it just spread like wildfire through right. through Twitter and Facebook the, and the everywhere. percentage is so high of women yeah, I didn't realize how common not it was. just in that situation but just in general I mean do you have some of that like the the research on how ma- how many women are either being assaulted or um, being even reporting all that stuff yeah so it's about um, about um, Statistically, it's a, it's around thirty percent. So it's around one uh, thirty to you know you see you see a range of one different of research. It's one out of three to four four women in their lifetime, mm-hmm. and one in uh, one in six men. Mm-hmm. So okay. before the before the age of eighteen, at least for the me, for the men. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's very it's it's a very common thing. It's um, it doesn't happen to everybody, but it happens to a significant minority of people. Mm-hmm. And of those, uh, only about uh, <clears throat> only about thirty uh, percent ever report uh, thirty to forty percent mm-hmm. ever report what happened. To, to them, to the police. Right. Mm-hmm. We had an episode a while back where we had a lawyer talk about this. Um, it was Rachna Goyle, and she was talking, she does the Jane Doe Advocacy Center. I don't know sure. if you're aware of them, but um, she said that part of the reason is that people don't know, like they don't know how to report. So there's first, there's the taboo and the victim blaming that happens. But then the secondarily, like, what do you do? Who do you report to? Do you go to the police? What are the next steps? How do I really get justice for this and it's not clear in in our oh, well it's system. terrifying it's a terrifying situation you know like yeah. most people they don't they don't really understand that um <laughs> how the legal system views something is totally different from the victim's perspective yeah. which you know, when someone has been through a trauma they're not thinking clearly they're not thinking logically mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. for you know it all those stress hormones it takes you the stress hormones that circulate through your body at that time that you know shut down shut down all the non-essential functions in your body which are you know so like your frontal lobe that allows you to think about thinking and you think more right. complex things that part of the, that part of the brain is totally shut down oh it just goes out the window oh yeah. no so the You're only, not you just go into survival mode right absolutely oh. you just go into survival mode so the you know those things around you know heart respiration breathing those are the main things that are going at that moment mm-hmm. and it takes you know sometimes 24 to 48 hours for those stress hormones to dissipate out of the body so even after something has happened it takes a while for them to think about it and what most people you know the thing that most people don't get is the first thing that they want to do after they've been sexually traumatized is they want to go home they don't want to go to the police they don't they don't want more people touching them and you know they what they want to do is they They want to get away yeah. They, they want to go. They want to feel safe, and mm-hmm. safety is usually, for many people, is equated with home. So they just want to be home, yeah. and so and and that and Heard maybe that. they're taking a shower when they go home too, or something like that. But it takes a, a lot of times with the people who I see. Most of the time, they don't usually they don't usually choose to report on their own unless they are encouraged to by a friend or mm-hmm. a family member or. They have significant injuries that make it such that they, they need to, to they do need it. to go to the yeah. hospital or something. Yeah, but gotcha. people have really good reasons to not report. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have to think about it from, like, if it's a kid's perspective or even adult. Yeah, but, like, you have to report. You have to 
one, talk to the police, which that's intimidating for anybody. Oh, yeah. And and a lot of people don't get, frankly, a lot of people don't get treated really well by some of the officers. I was wondering, yeah. like, to what degree are police officers <laughs> trauma-informed? I think that would be a great training I think, for them. I think a lot of police officers are trained more in trauma than today than they were 30, 40 Probably years 30, 40 ago. years there's ago, but I don't know to what degree. There's actually, there's there's one police, I, I think, is it the Fetty Technique? I think I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it, but he um, but he really talks about a trauma-informed care perspective with police interviewing, mm-hmm. and, he ta- and he trains police across the country, yep. mm-hmm. uh, and it's phenomenal. But, and they want a lot of them to actually have psychology backgrounds. Yeah. And like so, we had a, a nephew who was trying to go into the police and they said, get a degree in psychology or computer yeah. science. That's what they wanted. Those two things. Well, yeah. and since I work as a, uh, I work as a crisis counselor with BHR as well, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of we do um, some of our outreaches when we go out into the community, we collaborate with some of the CIT officers. And those those mm-hmm. CIT officers are uh, police officers who are trained in crisis intervention and mental mm-hmm. health. And they are phenomenal. I've worked with some amazing police officers. But I know as much as I know that many can be fantastic, mm-hmm. I also know that there are some that are um, not as fantastic. Not as fantastic. <laughs> no, I, no, I had one. I had, I, I, I've heard stories about people who are like, you know, they're, they've been asked, you know, uh, so do you really want to ruin this boy's life? You know, you really, really? want to think about that what you're doing. That is the worst thing to say to a victim. And have physically taken their evidence collection bags back and, and in response, you know, so some of the, you know, people have been really upset by what happened and they've, the police officers have actually physically given their evidence collection bags back, the rape kit and things like that so wow. that it doesn't get entered into, oh it doesn't gosh. get entered into the system. But after they've intimidated them, uh, you know, from filing reports, I mean, it's, there could be some. That's pretty bad. That's terrible. <laughs> It's pretty. There, there like, have been. Why bad would you ever want to? And then even beyond that, so like, uh, take it a step. They have reported it. Then even to prosecute, some of them have to face their. They have to testify. They have to testify against their. Well, you know, and that's even rapist. That's even far down the that's road. Far down that's the further down the road. So first off, get there. So you know, so the first barrier is whether or not they're you know, feel like it's worth it to report it. Do they even mm-hmm. want to report? Are they able mm-hmm. to? Are they fearing retaliation? Do they not feel like what happened to them was really rape? Do they see mm-hmm. not see it as a trauma? And a lot of people, they don't. It takes them a while to come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then once they file a police report or once they, they contact someone, then it goes to filing the police report, which, you know, they... That they, they have challenges with how the officers may or may not mm-hmm. respond, mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, and you know in the hospital again that could be there's a potential for revictimization there at the yeah. hospital if they're going to the hospital. Um, although people, it's important for people to know that they don't have to do that. So there is certainly uh, a choice. You can go to the hospital, but that doesn't mean you have to file a police report if you're an adult. Okay. Um, they have that choice. But then you know, then even if they go through that that process, then to go to the prosecutor that if that case would move to the prosecutor's desk and it's up to the prosecutor's discretion on whether or not they are yeah. actually moving forward and pressing right. charges whether they have enough evidence to mm-hmm. do it or, right yeah. which is why i mean that's why it's so low it's so hard to go through this the the process is convoluted and if any in any step of the way you kind of feel pushed down <clears throat> or um, not supported each of those times it's hard enough to, to talk and tell people like even even before going to a police officer i've had clients tell me you know like 
the worst thing was when they told the, told their mom or their sister or like a family somebody mm-hmm. and they denied it they were oh, like absolutely like if if at any point somebody says this is all in your head or you're being mm-hmm. crazy then that yep. can shut a person down yeah. absolutely the number one predictor of how people do in the long run after trauma is their level of social support yeah. so yeah, when it, when i sense. when i do the assessment with people uh when they first come in to see me i'm often asking them so um, who did you first tell and how and how did they respond when you told and mm. a lot of times that is a that is highly predictive of how they are how they responded later on so yeah. if they had if they if the person they told was supportive and believed them mm-hmm. then you know they tend their their healing process probably works a lot faster than someone as it begins there yeah <laughs> yeah it's otherwise it takes so much time for us to untangle all of those what we call cognitive distortions uh, or just unhealthy beliefs that are so problematic for people yeah yeah this is the part in the show where I shut down because <laughs> it's hard the whole to talk topic about hurts my trauma. feelings. I know, and I I'm take sorry, on I'm like bumming emotion. everybody out. But this <laughs> no, this is important no. information because it's we want people it's, it's hard to, to think helped. of it from the victim's perspective yeah. right? because you empathize with them. Right. You can understand that feeling of vulnerability of feeling isolated by something somebody else did to you. Yeah. Right. Well, and then the, you feel isolated to the whole world because people are telling you you're crazy or, oh, no, you're just making shit up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, and that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of those people who actually reads the comments on the, the YouTube and oh, the no. Facebook articles. <laughs> oh, no. Good for you, I guess. <laughs> you read the sewage <laughs> on YouTube. You read the sewage. Well, those comments can be pretty they toxic. Are, they're so terrible. But I've it's... never seen a thread on YouTube that goes for more than three replies without it just being, no, you're wrong. No, you're oh, wrong. No, you're no, wrong. It's so yeah. ugly. Yeah. But I, I do that because I'd like to see all the different perspectives and sometimes I'll even throw myself into the, you know, the psychoeducation mode. You throw of like, yourself into uh, the gutter. I, I can't. Well, not well. in the, not no, in the no. gutter, okay. but, I, but I do when people are saying really <laughs> things that are really uh, victim blaming, you know, yeah. I, uh, I, I am, I'm kind of like a mother cub. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fiercely protective of the people that I work with because I happen to work with the most amazing, amazing, wonderful, kind people. They are so resilient and they are mm-hmm. such fighters. Mm-hmm. I admire them. Uh, it is, um, it's a privilege to be able to work with the people who, who uh, are gracious enough to share the stories of the worst things that have ever happened to them with me yeah. and uh and it's um it's an amazing experience to have uh, in light of the tragedy and uh so it's important for me to make sure that i am doing doing my due diligence and trying right. to protect them where i can from re-victimization so right. sometimes i will jump in there and You'll jump in i will and i will ding offer, ding you're coming in <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will offer some, you know, ch- some words off. that kind of challenge those beliefs, you know, and so when people mm-hmm. are saying, well, you know, like, well, you know, well, why did she even go there in the first place, right. you know, and uh, some with the hashtag me too, me too stuff, I've had, um, I've had a lot of people asking me about my perspective on that just because they, yeah, mm-hmm. most of the time I think that's because they they want me to confirm their beliefs that they already have about, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes I'm greatly disappointing them <laughs> because I think it's a fantastic movement. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, oh, it's yeah. important that people understand that like, okay, I think sometimes this is ingrained in us. I think sometimes people don't realize to what degree that like those messages have been ingrained in them growing up that like that victim blaming stance that people aren't aware of. Why and do, so, why oh, do why? people do that? I think, you know, like, if you hear it in culture, 
you hear it from parents or yeah like people will say well why was she there and, and it's 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 been an interesting challenge to kind of like i even remember on one of these episodes i i was like wait a second angela what are you saying and i pulled it back because there's it sounded just like so you much, were victim blaming, i was like you no, weren't I'm, intending I'm not it. intending to victim blame but it's like you hear it so much that it becomes this this thing that you don't even think about anymore mm-hmm. right, i think that's right. a piece of it yeah well there's something called the the just world hypothesis that mm-hmm. yeah the idea is that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people so like oh. people are forever talking about karma like the, eh, yeah, well, karma that's the karma you know yeah, whatever. That's silly. well what kind of karma <laughs> i'm just like oh yeah sorry it happened because you deserve to be raped what? sorry well, child no. and it's no. sort of it's a bastardized version of karma because you know it, it, they've like uh, watched mm-hmm. too much my name is earl and so they think that if they do <laughs> Uh, it's a great show, but <laughs> yeah. I do love the show. Not very good on philosophy. But, you know, but that's not exactly, I mean, the, uh, well, the, the Hindu philosophy of karma happens. is that you're, anything that happens, you know, if you, you know, if you're, if you're a really ugly person in this life, you might be reborn in the next life as a slug. It, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's not I that, think that, sometimes that something bad happen. is going to immediately happen to you in this life. Right. There's mm-hmm. no cause and effect. Yeah, sometimes bad things happen to good thing, people. Absolutely. Sometimes good All things happen time. to bad there, people. I don't think there's a lot of... Bad things just happen Connection. to people. No, but, but you know, ba- babies are born. Babies are born with cancer, and yeah. they weren't bad people. No, yeah, they what didn't did they do? do? Anything, they didn't do anything wrong. They just yeah. came. That's you just know, life. They're, unfortunately, they're, and there are sometimes there are awesome people uh, that just have the the crappiest things happen to them, and sometimes there are people who are kind of. You know, uh, terrible people. G- terrible people. <laughs> yeah, that you know become. Mili- but let's be trauma informed. They assume become that they're a terrible person that way because <laughs> they themselves dealt with a lot. Of crap. Uh, they might have. They, and the reality is, most of the people I've met too. that come There's across as terrible people, they generally dealt with a lot of this crap. Too. Uh, indeed. They just didn't learn how to deal with it. Yeah, yeah that happens too. Where sometimes them. people who've come from traumatic histories then act out. And oh yeah. And, and going back to that trauma-informed place, I mean, how do we approach people from a trauma-informed perspective so that we can actually, like, rehabilitate? You know, it kind of reminds me of, like, uh, other countries. Josh, you can remind me of maybe what country does this, but one of the countries, the Norwegian countries or Scandinavian ones, doesn't have jails. They have, like, oh, dorms. I know. I like, saw dorms. that movie about that. You do, I, what, do you know what country this was? Was it the Netherlands or it was it It might be the Netherlands or, or Sweden, I, but, like, they don't in like, prison. Well, people. I know in Norway. They do more, in, like, dorms. In Norway, after, yeah, that, Norway. Mass, at that, after that massive... Uh, that massive shooting on was it uh, Utoya, the yeah. island Utoya, where I think it was something like something like eighty kids were were, oh, were no. massacred. Uh, how you know that now they're all um, uh, you know the family is recovering, but they they didn't have they don't have a death penalty, and uh, and so he this uh, the person who who did that for. Um, Pretty, <laughs> I don't know, of course, they're unhealthy reasons, but it seems like yeah. I, I recall it had some, there were some, uh, I don't know, kind of racist underpinnings or something like that. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, with him, yeah, he's, uh, you know, people were really upset by, you know, seeing the fact that, you know, he's he's not at all res- uh, regretful about what he did or had no remorse, but, but they believe in... Um, their form of rehabilitation has to do with uh, treating people, treating people kindly, giving them, a, giving them a chance to rehabilitate into the society by well, yeah. they have, so like they have these giant farms and things like that that they'll have them work so they can yeah. find things to be a proud of themselves in a different way. Yeah. It's yeah. an interesting philosophy. It yeah. is, but when you go to the extreme of a child yeah, murder, it's hard. Kind of like <laughs> mass hard to it's hard kind with of that, fit that but into I, it. Where I would see that being very helpful is in drug cases. You know, a lot of times people end up in jail for drug. We oh, yeah. have a, the highest percentage of people in jail in our country. 
are one the of the world. highest percentages in the world of our population. And a lot of it is due to drug crimes. And I think that they almost end up worse going into jail than if sure. we had rehabilitated and helped them to find something in their life. So I can see the pros and cons on either side. I mean, with that, like, God, what do you do? <laughs> so anyhow, we've gone down a bunny yeah, trail. Why don't you ask there. more questions? I know we do this all the time. Bunny trail. So talking bunny about, trail. <laughs> we were talking about the Me Too stuff. Me Too. Yeah. Uh, it, well, so, in, you know, going back to that idea of that just that just world stuff with the, the false beliefs, you know, what ends up happening a lot of times is that, you know, people like to believe that they have a sense of control, mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. have power over what happens. So is if this happened to you, you must have been doing something wrong. Right. But mm-hmm. in the reality, in the, stuff just happens. No, sometimes. people, things people, happen. things happen all the time that you have no power, you have no control over. A missile gets launched to the, Absolutely. at I the mean, state of Hawaii. Of that, like, who, Are you going to blame my family? No, I'm not going to blame my family for calling me right. and telling me they're all going to oh, die. Right. It's like, but, but I was people, a little annoyed, but... But people <laughs> like to think that they have that control that they, yeah. when, when people, they really don't, and, but that's an easy way. People don't want to feel powerless. Yeah. That's an easy way for people to blame someone else for it and say, hey, you know, like, well, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have been drinking, you shouldn't have gone there, and it mm. would never have, it would never, it would never have happened. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's really, blaming, it's yeah. just not... It's, it's a way of skirting personal responsibility at times. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Well, I think people have a hard time understanding that predators are really, really good at picking out who is most vulnerable in every in any situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us is vulnerable at some point in time in the in their lives, or in some point in time of the day. We all sleep. We're all distracted. We all eat. Mm-hmm. But predators are really good at picking out that time who's, when someone is most vulnerable to take advantage of them. Right. So you know. It, for example, what you'll find a lot of times is, uh, you know, with a lot of a lot of trauma survivors, they're going to be um, they're going to be feeling pretty badly about what happened. Uh, maybe because, well, initially it might start off with you're grieving the loss of someone. Maybe you went through a breakup, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, maybe you're already being abused at home, and then after the, after that, then you know, a predator might walk into a room and see you sort of quiet Mm -hmm. they might see you more withdrawn or maybe your boundaries have shifted because of some earlier trauma experience so maybe you are much more likely to you know give hug to the stranger with Mm -hmm. that you know where it it might not be such a good idea sometimes you're too trusting too trusting yeah Yeah. so there's different just not sure where to put the boundaries anymore that's what i've seen with a lot of my clients they're like what are boundaries you know not that they're not there but that they you know when the way i describe it is somebody is basically I don't like to cuss, but I usually cuss in this part. So somebody's shit all over your boundaries. Sure, shit's okay. Uh, well, I try to avoid it because I do want families to be able to listen. Um, but like, this is just the way I put that's it. That's kind my of my clients. philosophy in therapy. They hear me. They hear me swearing all the time. Yeah. It I, makes us I, human. I, I, follow the, I follow the Marshall Linehan part about uh, you know being being irreverent. The radical acceptance. Part Absolutely yeah. irreverence. Use of humor. Sometimes yeah, you yeah. have to use humor to get through yeah. it all. Yeah. Well, and that's what it feels like. So somebody's just shit all over them, and now you're kind of like, well, where are they? And, and they're almost kind of redefining what boundaries are for themselves and that's a really challenging process for for people who are kind of or defining them or defining what is a boundary and that's that's the other thing is like like a lot of these people if you're a kid and you are sexually abused this might be the first time you've ever actually talked to your parents about sex (laughs) that has to be intimidating well not to mention people never usually it's family members who are abusing so but the reality is people never talk to their kids about sex. People never Rarely. talk about sex. Okay. This is actually the only place anybody ever talks to me about sex is on this podcast. <laughs> people are so scared of sex that it 
puts it in the darkness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Me Too campaign tried to do is actually subvert that. It tries mm-hmm. to put it out in the open. That's why it's such a good campaign. Oh, because yeah. it's saying it's okay to talk about it. You can talk about this terrible thing that happened to you, and you're not. It's okay. You don't have to be ashamed. And that's what's good about this. Yeah, and that totally takes it out of the dark, you know. And that's the part you asked earlier about how how do people how do people work through this? Well, that's a big part of it is using their voice too. Mm -hmm. The healing process is it makes such a big difference when people no longer you know we want to challenge that that shame and guilt and self blame and what Mm -hmm. a lot of that originates from is secrecy. Secrecy Mm -hmm. and shame are like locked in together and it is so toxic so we can help people use their voice talk about it and know Mm -hmm. that what happened if we especially if we can get people to support them around it yeah Yeah. it makes such a difference Mm -hmm. well and i think that comes from sex being a casual conversation in general the biggest one of the biggest purposes of this podcast for me is that i want sex to be a casual conversation in the home so that Things like that that are even more taboo can be open and discussed. It's easier to bring them oh, up. Right. Yeah, yeah, if you can talk about sex, that's the whole point. Yeah, that's the whole point, yeah. <laughs> if you can talk about sex, then maybe you can talk and advocate for about yourself abuse. when yeah. you when you're covering abuse. Yeah. yeah, and being able to talk to your kids about sex and people in general also means you can teach them how to have those boundaries you were talking about. Yeah, because right. as a kid, I don't I don't know any boundaries. Like, what what's are, a boundary? What is this boundary? Do you mean like <laughs> do you mean the, the curb? Fence? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have clients that tell me all the time that, you know, they, that, yeah, no one ever talked to them about sex. They didn't, you know, their yeah. period was like a complete surprise when oh, it wow. first happened. They had no, they, they had, had a carry moment. No sense. I mean, some of them people have, you know, some people have really, you know, they have, you know, precocious puberty where sometimes the onset is like when they're six, seven years old. Oh, no. And wow, so, you know, you young. can imagine how horrifying that would be for a child to. For seven to year olds all of a sudden have their period. Yeah. And, and not have no idea. They probably think they're dying. Idea. Well, yeah. <laughs> it would be like on Carrie, you know, where, where she was. She's bleeding in the shower death. and all the people yeah. were throwing tampons oh. at her and then, of course a, she used her psychic power to kill them all yeah, yeah. so I'm sure so that's six, how it's gonna end up at six your psychic <laughs> powers aren't as developed you. maybe <laughs> and that's how everybody had their first period yeah. <laughs> I tell you my, oh my first sometimes gosh, the yeah. experience definitely is horrifying for yeah. people yeah. I'm yeah. sure it can be this is why we need to talk it's like no you're on your period everybody yeah. has them here's a bad take care of yourself yeah no I because I'd been so ingrained in the trauma world for so long when I you know, I, I pulled my nephew aside. I don't know what, what grade he was in. He was, he must have been maybe end of, end of elementary, beginning of, beginning of middle school. And, you know, I was like, we're going to have the talk. And I just like psh, did a brain dump of everything I knew, everything I knew about sex and, you know, and like helping. You did, need to know these things. Yeah. And boundaries <laughs> and, you know, privacy part rules and all that kind of stuff. I like went through that with him. And, you know, mm-hmm. and years later, he, he was telling me about how like all his friends, all his friends are all coming up to him because they, they know nothing. They because he, they know he knows all this stuff and someone's actually given him the information. So his friends are all coming to him for the information right. now. <laughs> and that just how, made me laugh. That's, that's how problem. I learned about sex You're as either a learning kid. from your friends or porn. That, it was those my are the friends two most common ones. And it was mostly my friends when I was a kid. And it was... The reality is I got a lot of misinformation. Yeah. Like I think oh, a lot yeah. of young this people do because of that. This is why we need comprehensive sex education. Like he, may, he may not have misinformation he's spreading, but other kids do. You never yeah. know. Yeah, like, well, that's the point. Locker room talk is not great talk. Yeah. <laughs> not often very serious or helpful You can learn some, but you still you need the some. comprehensive sex mm-hmm. education, oh. which... So you our can schools advocate don't seem to yourself. have it as much. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it should be like one class you have no, in you sh- seventh grade. No, it should grade. be across yeah. the lifespan. I think Absolutely. everybody should be knowing a little bit about sex at different ages. You know, you're mm-hmm. not going to tell a four-year-old about everything. Yeah, but. I mean, it's so normal for your kids to have like crushes on teachers and yeah, things like sure. that. And mm-hmm. so when, but when, you know, you see those cases in the news where mm-hmm. someone has, um, you know, where a, a teacher, a teacher has 
abuse the child, uh, abuse a, a, a student, mm-hmm. um, they're usually phrased as, you know, they had sex with a student and they, you know, they wanted it and, or, you know, and right. they, they don't use the they word had rape. A, no, they don't they use take the it word out. rape or as abuse. As soon as it's a mm-hmm. teacher, generally it's a female having sex with a male student, it doesn't get labeled as rape in the news or any, Sometimes any conversation. Sometimes both ways, actually. Both ways, yeah. I mean, there... It, but it, yeah, absolutely, because just because boys tend to... Right, so like men sometimes have boys their Boys tend to want it more. Oh, yeah. Well... See, that sounds like victim lucky. blaming. No, no, I, <laughs> no, no, I don't, well, don't want to say that. I'm saying that's part of that's why the, that happens. Right, there's that mindset. Right. Mm-hmm. Then there was this Which, idea that, oh, it's this this person was older, they were cool, they're, you know, so this mm-hmm. is... This is you know, they they should feel honored for having that experience. You should be honored. You should be honored it's for your rape. It's a privilege. But you yeah. Know, yeah. Honestly, oh my gosh. The, the the cases that I find the most difficult to treat are really the people who are sexually abused right around that those teenage years mm-hmm. where there was a grooming process that took place, mm-hmm. oh. and so they uh, they have such an entrenched belief about you know that. You know, even even though their body was more developed, they might look older. They still yeah. have a brain that's only half cooked. You know, mm-hmm. like if, if your brain doesn't <laughs> develop until you're 25, yeah. and you know you're sexually abused when you're 15 years old, you got a lot of years for that brain to finish cooking and mm-hmm. developing and understanding things. Yeah. And yeah. even at if, that age, your body's not fully developed. They're babies. <laughs> like I know when you're 15 years old, you're like, you guys are so little. When you're 15, you look around at other 15 year olds and you're like, we're adults. We look grown up. But now that I'm <laughs> An adult, I look, I look at them like those are kids. Yeah. Like they're babies. They're babies. Some, they just see themselves as something else. Sometimes, but sometimes they, you know, like I said, with a precocious puberty, sometimes <clears throat> you do have people who sure. really are. They really they, look like forty they, year olds. They fully develop their, <laughs> sure. their breasts and hips uh, early, early on. Sure. Yeah, in high school there was a guy who had salt and pepper hair already, and I was like, this man looks like he's forty, and he was a freshman. <laughs> this man. Oh, he did. He's a man. He That's looked tough. older. Oh yeah, there were all the guys who had the full beards at that age. Yeah, and sometimes women who had developed. full hips developed. Right. Yeah. But you know, when like you, you were about six foot tall. Actually, I look. Like there, I can look back at videos when I was twelve, and I was like, "Wow, I was a woman." I I she totally looked, looked like an adult. But you older had the brain woman. of a twelve-year-old. But I was young, and actually, I had a really—I I can tell you a very silly story from my childhood. I was eleven at the time, and there was a seventeen-year-old boy trying to flirt with me and take me away to a barbecue. <laughs> and I—I I asked my husband, and, or not, not my husband, husband, my dad. Sorry, <laughs> same thing. Right? I, no, 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 no. <laughs> we need to go into yeah. mar- child and, child marriage. And to be fair, <laughs> uh, to be fair, I did tell this boy that I was seventeen at the time so like uh, not huh? he's not a predator he's just trying to date me right but so anyhow i remember going up to my father and saying hey you know this guy wants me to go on a barbecue can i go and he goes how old is he angela and i was like 17 <laughs> and he goes and how old are you and i was like 11 and he said get in the car get in the car like that was it do right. the math and like the right. point is that my dad understood that and he, he protected me you. and like throughout yeah. my childhood but you, there were... you said you were able to say something yes. to someone where there was a likelihood of yeah them. we had developed a relationship where my dad was like please talk to me about this stuff and i you know like he i i can think of many moments in my where childhood where people yeah. not just my dad my mother and my sister were protecting me from potentially stupid mistakes yeah, now you're, looking back you're always been a wild card i've always been a wild woman you know <laughs> since being a sex therapist now yeah. wild cards so we gotta have somebody there to say no 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 no, don't get hurt we, we needed i needed a little bit yeah. of guidance it means sure. it means so Everybody much of, that you know, we talk that's about vulnerability point. that's that's a huge that's a, that's a huge checks and balance for that when you have someone who is there to protect you mm-hmm. who is there to listen to you who will believe you who you know who you actually 
can have a conversation yeah. with, it makes such a difference in mm-hmm. your ability to, to be safe. Which, by the way, if you are talking to your kids about sex from a young age, then you suddenly become that person. That, like, if you just have honest, mm-hmm. open, casual conversations with your children about sure. sex on a regular basis, just saying, hey, this is okay, I want you to be able to talk to me about this, then kids feel more comfortable coming to you at all times. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, like, I did. I actually, and that's weird. I did talk to my dad about sex. <laughs> right. And it was the safe because conversation. it sounds like your dad made it so that there was a space for you to just talk to him. And it yeah. wasn't just... Mm-hmm. Get out of my way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, just way, do what kid. I say, not what I do. Right. And, right. you know, right. no, it was a different yeah. world. And yeah. so, I mean, that's kind of what we need from parents and from teachers and counselors. Like, uh, growing up, kids need access to people who can help them Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And I'm a big sister with mm-hmm. uh, big brothers, big sisters. Yeah. And my little sister is, you know, she's, she's, uh, you know, at the, she's a junior in high school at this point in time. And, you know, she's cool. at that point now where, you know, she's interested in dating and her mom is very much against her dating at mm-hmm. this point. So she's uh, just going to do it behind her back because that's <laughs> yep. how people do it. I, that, <laughs> this is part of the convert. We've actually. We've, that's part we've of been, the problem. That's what been, all teenagers do. You can't forbid them. <laughs> you cannot prohibit anything. They will find a way to do it. Uh, that's really, a, it's your natural human inclination. Right, when somebody tells you no, even when you're a baby, you are I'll do going what to I want. find a way to do it. Sorry, yeah, continue. I'm going to cut you off. Oh, yeah. Olivia's that way right now. Like you're not allowed to go brush your teeth. As soon I'll as do it. I want, Dad. I'm going to brush my teeth. You're not teeth. my dad. Yeah, that didn't work too well. <laughs> well, and so you know, and you know, she talks about how like, well, my sister wasn't allowed to date either. And then when she was allowed to date at 18, then she got pregnant right away. You know, it's ah. sort of like sometimes you find those situations where people go from you know having you know so many rules to no rules. How mm-hmm. that can they go wild? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's how girls go wild. Oh, girls gone wild. Well, oh. it's it's a cliche. Though Silly. of the woman who is raised in a they Catholic, call it Catholic church girl syndrome, or, ca- or another very conservative lifestyle, yeah, and then as soon as they're out in the world, they mm-hmm. make their own decisions, and they kind of go go a little overboard it sometimes because yeah. they don't know they don't know their own boundaries. Yeah, it's good to they, have like a safety net, you mm-hmm, know, where you mm-hmm. can make mistakes, but you'll still have someone there to kind of like uh, pick up you. the pieces a yeah. little bit. Like, yeah, you know, we're all gonna get our hearts broken, or mm-hmm. you know, ho- hopefully people have the privileges of having of having their heart broken oh, so they can not. learn from it. <laughs> That's a cute way of looking at that. I guess it is a privilege. You learn a lot through the dating process oh, about what you want, oh, what you like, that. what you don't like. <laughs> I hated dating so much. It feels like rejection. I like being too. married so much better. <laughs> It's a lot easier. Uh, yeah. I just get rejected on a daily basis. Ah, ah. you. <laughs> Those were the days. It is nice to have someone that you love and care about that you feel yeah. safe with. But, you know, the, usually the first the first couple of people you date are a lot like, the, you know, the, they're like the first pancake, you know, they're kind of, it's kind of mushy, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's the, it's the one that didn't get fully cooked. It's like cooked. a starter it's home. Not, yeah, yeah. It's, it's your first it's home. It's not good. You want to toss that one out. Something you realize the roof was completely shattered. The roof is falling in, <laughs> shingles are falling off everywhere. You know, yeah. there's some transient sleeping in the back. Right. You know. <laughs> a lot of times people need to figure out what they really want, what they like, what they don't like. And it, it takes, you know, it, it's a process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a lot easier, I think, to do it if you can be open and yeah. be able to talk to your parents without them trying mm-hmm. to give you punitive re- responses to it. And I mm-hmm. think that's where a lot of people feel that shame around victim and sex mm-hmm. because they're told that, oh, you're a deviant mm-hmm. because you masturbate or you're this or that because you have sexual feelings. Like, no, it's just... 
You're going to be able to talk to your parents. Well, and, and one area that you can learn the best about boundaries is in these relationships and talking about sexual boundaries, that it's okay to actually just like play with kissing, but no, go, not go beyond that, that that's a totally okay boundary that people can set in their relationships. Some people, when they're not talked about sex, have this belief. It's almost like a dichotomy that like you're either going all the way or you're not like there's no in between. There's no in between. At and all. the reality is there's quite a few ways that people can play around and <clears throat> enjoy sex and sexuality and going back to consent. Consent. You shouldn't consent. be able to say no at any, any single point. point in the game. Yeah. Saying, you know what? I'm open to kissing, but I don't know if I'm open to going beyond right. that. And like even you teaching people boundaries. to have the consent conversation yeah. right. and deeply respect it. The moment someone says no, the moment no. someone checks out. So if they're if they're not they engaging in the process. Like, yeah. yeah. If they yeah. are not if they are not actively like seeming like they want to mm-hmm. be there, if they're not connected mm-hmm. to you, they're not engaging in that, take that as a cue. So yeah. maybe so there's the no, there's the I don't knows, there's, there's the, the I want you to be comfortable with what we're doing yeah. no matter what we do. Yeah. <laughs> I've had and, boyfriends like and that you know, and they were great. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> You're my married How husband. I'm you. saying before I'm great you. Too. You are great, but the before you the You I, knew nobody I was, before me. I was lucky to have men who did that, who were like yeah. Like, what can we do to make this a good experience for oh, you? Awesome. And they cared. Like, and yeah. I, I, like, first of all, date the Italians. They're great lovers. And Josh is How good, dare too. You. <laughs> How dare you? But I'm just saying, there were men. I did have men You're that were like that. You're brave enough to talk about your your past lovers in front of your husband. I don't hear oh, about he these Italians. Even hear what, it. are you about? what is this Italian? My first boyfriend. You know about him, Josh. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I love you. I love you. No, no, he's a strong man. Trust right there. When you're talking about, like, setting those boundaries Mm -hmm. and stuff it's while it's important also for the consent side it's also important i think because if you're able to talk to your partner about Mm -hmm. this stuff you can let them know what you do want you can say i want a kiss and that's it and and then they won't cross and then they know not to cross that boundary because if they do they're gonna you're gonna shut down yeah. You're not going to be in it. And mm-hmm. that's, I, well, I think, and that's an important part of intimacy. Crossing into assault is when right. you're doing right. something past somebody's well, boundary. Even, right? even, even just talking about intimacy, not yeah. assault, but yeah. just being able to feel comfortable and be in the moment mm-hmm. and be turned on. And if somebody yeah. crosses one of your boundaries, you're not going to be turned on. You're going to shut down and you are mm-hmm. going to maybe take out consent. Sort of. I mean, there, the, there's that myth, too, that, you know, people won't... Um, that your body is only going to respond uh, if you are. <laughs> what was that quote that that one that one politician said? The body just shuts that when it when you're raped. The body just shuts that all down. Uh, no, yeah. no, that's not no, what no. I meant at all. I mean, what, no. what you have is a, a lot of times people they are, you know, the body is made to respond to touch. So if you are mm-hmm. touched in certain ways, that body is going to respond physiologically. Yeah. So you will have you will have um, both men and women who get physiologically aroused. Mm-hmm. Their their body lubricates. They get in. They get right, but I'm talking mentally though, because yeah. you can have a disconnect between physical absolutely and mental you can stimulation. Not, up here, you might not want to do something at all, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that your that body mean your is body doesn't not respond. respond. Oh yeah. Which is why having that, being able to advocate for yourself <clears throat> in those moments, having conversations out of sex helps people to have conversations in sex, and when people have have a conversation ahead of time and say, look, I'm really open to making out right now. And if you're both really just deeply respecting that, then it's okay, we're making out. And even if there was a, an attempt to go beyond, it's being able to say, hey, I want to make sure you're you're comfortable with this. I'm kind yeah. of getting into this, but like, yeah. I don't want to push you beyond where you're comfortable yeah. too. I mean, the reality people is, do get into things. if you're with your partner, you want them to be excited about Absolutely. being in the moment. Well, yeah. you would yeah. hope so. You would hope so. And if not, <laughs> I've hey, heard my get fair share of stories that go, that go in the opposite direction. Oh. But yeah, I mean... You're, you're, it feels, 
it's when you have safety and when you mm-hmm. have trust with the person that you're at, it's so much easier for, for a lot of women for them to, to let go and be part yep. of that process mm-hmm. of, you know, their ability to have an orgasm, yep. you know, like if they're, if they are feeling, if they're feeling safe, <coughs> it can really, it can make a big difference, which mm-hmm. isn't to say that people don't have orgasms during sexual assaults because they no, absolutely they do, can. but you can have other times where you have a trusting partner maybe, mm-hmm. but it's still hard for them to let go and allow someone else to mm-hmm. have contact with their body and have access to their body. And, uh, you know, that, you know, feeling so vulnerable with like oral sex, mm-hmm. you know, that receiving oral sex can feel, can be incredibly, uh, it can be an incredibly vulnerable situation. Sure. For women. Well, and what I've found for my, my couples and just people across is that the more there's respect for the boundaries and consent, the, the wilder sex can get actually, because if I can trust you with oral sex, um, I can trust you maybe with spanking. I can trust you. With, I, I'm serious. Like, and it doesn't we'll mean everybody, later. it doesn't mean everybody's <laughs> going to get to like maybe a wild space because everybody has their, their own, own place. Boundaries. But I sure. will say that, like, when I can respect you or when I can trust that you, like, let's use spanking, that, that you're going to spank keep your me, boundary. but yeah. you're going to keep that boundary. You're not going to hurt me too bad. You're going to listen if it goes too far. There's yeah. like a deep trust that's created that makes it easy to get kind of wild in the bedroom. Yeah. So just throwing this out there, if you want to have great <laughs> sex, learn how to advocate for your own boundaries and, and respect and each talk. other's boundaries yeah. and talk. Talk. Spend some time beforehand figuring out what your partner, what you and your partner, what kind yep. of touch you actually like. Yeah. And, and make it a casual conversation. Safe. Like yeah, just that over okay. when you're at the restaurant, say, so what do you like in bed? You know, <laughs> like, tell me. Talk. I actually spoke like, with really. the radio DJ. That's also one of his first conversations when dating. He's like, I just want to make sure we're on the same page about yeah. sex and what's okay and what's not okay. I'm like, wait, you know what that's on the you? first date? <laughs> on a first date. I don't, I mean, like, I don't know to what degree somebody wants it, but like, hey. It might be a little crossing those emotional <laughs> boundaries. Lines. That's kind of like the person who sends you the dick pic. That might be oh a little, little too, little too soon. <laughs> maybe, and maybe, maybe on that, your second. And dates. maybe it's his way of screening <laughs> the kind of person that he wants to be with, who is willing to talk about it on the first date. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. That's, I mean, well, and, that's the point. Angela still say, "Hey, I'm not ready for this Angela conversation." Angela is the kind of person I am the kind who of would talk who about would that on a conversation first date. about like that because I know her <laughs> totally. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that if you say you're not ready for the conversation, I'm like, okay, totally. Yeah. You know, like that's the point. It's both a giving and a receiving when you're having these conversations, and you have to be very respectful when somebody puts a boundary. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So I, I want to turn the topic a little bit to some of the stuff you you sent us. Actually, you said that. You have a reputation for getting sick and injured on your world travels. <laughs> tell us more. So tell us more. You had something happen in India. <laughs> well, so no. first I'll connect that with, you know, a lot of times people ask me, you know, like, how do you do this trauma work? How do you do this trauma work for so long? Because it's uh, it's so terrible to hear how I just don't understand how. Yeah, I don't it understand that No, I, I, I'm, it's oftentimes people like, you know, when I mention that, they ask me, hey, so what do you do? And I'll say, well, I'm a sexual trauma therapist. And then all of a sudden, like, the conversation shuts down like, what and the do person disappears. Say? It's like, oh, look, there's a bird. I'm going to go over there. (laughs) You know, it's like, "Mm, yeah, okay. So, yeah, I have a sense of maybe what might be happening here. But uh, so. (laughs) It's a hard topic. And people can be so polarized around it. I understand. Even I have nerves about having just you on. I mean, when we had our joke, we both were like, what do we? (laughs) (laughs) Rape jokes. Don't do it. Be careful. You have to be careful. Yeah, definitely that Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. (laughs) So, I, but I'm, I'm a big. I'm really big into advocating, you know, I, I practice what I peach, preach. So mm-hmm. I'm huge on self-care. Uh, so in order for in order for most people to overcome their traumas, self-care is an yeah. absolute essential part of that healing process. Mm-hmm. And 
because I'm at risk for vicarious trauma you yeah. know, and compassion fatigue from doing the work that I do, yeah. it's so important for me to keep my battery charged so that mm -hmm. I have enough energy to be able to do what I do. I have oh, my yeah. hands in a lot of pots. And She's people, the same way. I feel yeah. like yeah, people I've are like, do a lot of uh, you do, you mm -hmm. do. Uh, so... Yeah, I I feel like you know people have been telling me for years they're like making bets on when I'm gonna like burn when out. When you're gonna crack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. But but I love I love the work that I do and I spend so much time with my self care and part of my yeah. self care you know it could be, uh you know it could be something as simple as you know getting a massage, taking a bath, yeah. uh, listening mm -hmm. to music, singing, dancing. Um, I you know I paint, I make jewelry, oh, reupholster. I know paint I love too. the most beautiful, most beautiful yeah. pictures cut I Thank saw when you. I was coming in here. Yeah, yeah like, it's our we favorite like, pastime. Like, I like the real colorful ones. Yeah, really. yeah. They're nice. <laughs> yeah. well, and then travel. So travel. Yeah. I am big on traveling. So we, uh, my we partner, my Same partner way. and I, we travel all over the world. We've been to like a seventh of the world at this point in really? time. Oh, we wow. got a few. That's cool. Uh, or is it a seventh? Yeah, a seventh mm -hmm. of the world, I think. Um, and uh, so unfortunately it becomes kind of a joke so with with the, my colleagues about you know like so you know what disease did you come back with this time <laughs> so, so i had um let's see so uh, when i was in uh uh I think I was uh, scuba diving. Uh, so the, scuba? When I was scuba diving in, um, I, in the, I think it was the Bahamas. Yeah. I, uh, I I got too close to a coral reef, mm. and uh, and and then I got stung by uh, some fire coral. I didn't know they could sting. Me. Wow! Oh, totally. Like my my stung. knee, my knee like swelled up like <gasps> an elephant, and and it was, and I actually, and it it took it. Uh, I guess some of the coral was like got, got lodged mm -hmm. underneath the oh. skin, and so it took it took. Took like a year for my for my knee to totally heal. Oh really? Wow. wow. I had a when That's I was scary. in <laughs> when I was in India. When I was in India, I uh, I I didn't know it at the but I was exposed to bed bugs. Yeah, those and, are brutal. Uh, by the I time I had those one time. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, I. They're painful. Uh, they apparently, they apparently like uh, decided to make a nest in my in my clothes oh, God. for most of, for for the whole week that I was traveling through uh, there, and I had my entire all, the whole backside of my legs and my back. They were all it was I was covered with blistering mm -hmm. welts. And this only that were happens exploding. to you, not your partner. <laughs> no, it is just me. Like, just you. Like he was just like, like yeah, I have this. You. I was like, don't you have any bites on you? And he was like, well, there I see like little pinpricks, and then hear me, they're like You're these. Like, he just doesn't, bursting he's not sores, to it. and I'm uh, like going crazy wow. as I'm sitting there in the that's Delhi terrible. airport, like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. I hate. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. Wow. But if you travel enough, it's gonna happen. It sounds yeah. like you travel a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got when I was in um, hmm. I was in I think I got it when I was in Cambodia. I like <laughs> I was so sick from whatever disease that I got. I, I it was probably from. Um, putting a tiger's tail of, m near my mouth, and I actually put my mouth on the tiger's oh, no. tail. And never bite a tiger. I've <laughs> oh, Well, yeah, I never felt put a tiger in that's your mouth. That's PSA. Don't bite tigers. The more you <laughs> know. <laughs> and as a result of that, yeah, I, I I got super sick, and I was like hallucinating, and it was. Yeah, wow. I, I, we have like this nice before and after picture of my travels. <laughs> like before, you know, I'm like look happy, all happy and smiley, and then the the, the <laughs> second picture is like me with dark circles. <laughs> oh, my face is all gone. I lost like you know, 15 you think pounds. You would get travel trauma. <laughs> 
like, yeah. why am I doing well, this? The bed bugs, <laughs> the bed bugs. I totally, I, I, yeah. It took me, it took me years, uh, took me years to be able to go to a hotel without like searching. You know, like I used yeah, to. Yeah, do the mattress. I, would, I would do. I would search the oh, the, the bed bug registry for for you know like uh, so what what hotels oh, have the bed bugs added? It. Okay, and, good to know. And we you know, should like, do that. Make I, sure. Yeah. I would check all. I would check all the seams and the beds and everything every time oh, I got wow. into every any hotel and uh, I'm you know super cautious about where I put my stuff and just mm-hmm. check bugs ev- everywhere. Yeah. Oh my I'm, I'm better with that now, but it was pretty terrible at the time. I can yeah. imagine. I'd be scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bed bugs are not fun. No, oh, no. It, well, Painful and annoying and itchy. And, and St. Yeah. Louis has such a problem with them now, Do too. They? I hear yeah. people coming in all the time with, you know, <laughs> there's just... Yeah, unfortunately, they're yeah. they're quite rampant, and I I just I happen to have I I guess apparently I'm allergic to them be, to bed bug bites, so that was why they that were turning into blistering sores for me. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, intense. So yeah, yeah, it's um uh, my my travels are fun, but we just we we never know we never know what I'm what I'm going to get afterwards. But you get a lot out of them. Yeah, well, just when I was in so you mentioned Hawaii, we were in mm-hmm. Hawaii last year, and I uh, I uh, uh, the tide pushed me into like a sea urchin, and I had. Had, like oh, those yeah. those 12 uh, or they, those like three inch i had like 12 three Spikes. inch quills yeah. in, in my thigh i stepped I on one in hawaii mm. oh yeah. terrible yeah it's tough i stepped on it and then i actually fell because i was standing on the rocks at um shark's cove mm-hmm. i stepped on, the, stepped on it Oahu. and then fell <laughs> and oh. then slammed my arm into a coral so oh. i had a big gash on my arm Oh, yeah. That was fun. You I still snorkel. We should travel together. <laughs> I know, right? I still had fun though. I, st- I kept going. We could show you some really cool like, places just, in Hawaii. That's where we used to live. So like, we know all the insider oh, yeah. places. Oh, awesome. Awesome. It did not break off inside me. The quills though, like it just oh, I went terrible. on and then I pulled off and fell. Oh, that's um, good. My I favorite. I had to like you. I had to like limp over limp over to the mm. to the lifeguard and like you know present my present my thigh <laughs> and you know help. I'm bleeding. Vinegar. That's usually what's no, used yeah. to, to well, start to neutralize fish. it. Yeah, he kept asking me. He's like, he's like, are you sure you're okay? He like, are, mm-hmm. are you he like? Some people are like, they go into shock and they're like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, no, no, I got lots, I got lots of flesh yeah. on my thighs, so I'm yes. sure it's a protective factor for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! You just shake it off. <laughs> <laughs> like Taylor Swift, shake it off. <laughs> but I still love snorkeling. That's one of my favorite. No, things I to love do. it. We're yes. actually going to Mexico. We're going to Mexico on Friday. this Friday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are we're you? excited. Yeah, a little we'll self care for us. Yeah, and travel is our self care too. That and massages and the painting. Absolutely, that's the thing. So I mean. For any of you out there, they're like, "What the heck is self care?" Self care is something that replenishes you in some way. Anytime we're in a caregiver role, like being a therapist, a nurse, or a doctor, because some of them are listening, you are basically in um, a job where you're always giving to others. I call it the one way relationship. And anytime you're in a one way relationship, you're always giving, but you're not receiving back. And there's a lot that like, you and you're get hearing out of, a lot of traumatic stories. Well, and there's a lot that you, you get out them. of like helping people, but it still is a one way relationship. And that's mm-hmm. how you kind of know the difference between like. If it's a caregiver role versus if it's like two-way, we're in a two-way relationship. So you can actually get something out of a two-way relationship. And Mm -hmm. that's why the self-care is so important. So all that self-care is, is something that gives back to you. Like you said, recharges your batteries Mm -hmm. or replenishes you. And that's why like when you get a massage, so the massage therapist is one way giving to you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like exercise can do it or going on a travel or you know, getting into nature, running off into the hills like a caveman, all of that stuff, reading a good book. Absolutely. (laughs) These are all examples. And that's part of what, you know, what trauma-informed care is, is understanding that the people, it's not just the person who was originally victimized, but everybody who is around can potentially 
can potentially feel the impact from it. So by by mm-hmm. you know people who are your family members, your support system, uh, you're in you know in care in people who are like in our profession and first responders, they are mm-hmm. such at at risk of being you know, being traumatized themselves yeah. f- through what they're going through. That it's really important to think about you know, debriefing, mm-hmm. how are you spending time, you know, allowing room for that person to talk about their experience? Is it, mm-hmm. is it normalized? You know, mm-hmm. is there, is there a place for them? You know, are they allowed are there to take the day? supports? Yes. <laughs> Can they take a day off, you know? Is oh yeah, totally. Day, you know, like just mm-hmm. recognizing that people need, they need time to take care of themselves and yeah. their body. Pay so, you know, you're body. not supposed to work more than 50 hours a week. But <laughs> okay. There is, there is a science to it beyond sure. 50 hours. You're oh, just, hurting yourself (laughs) out of nowhere but yeah (laughs) i just want to throw it out there because people are overworking and like at 50 hours beyond it you you have higher risk for heart attacks you have Mm -hmm. higher risk for i mean more being traumatized compassion fatigue breaking down all of it and so if you can just stop at 50 hours and that gives you enough time outside of that for those other potential self-care things yeah um so we're kind of at the end we are at the end of our show it was really Mm -hmm. nice having you yeah is there there anything you want to plug before we end well i think it's important for people to know that you know that if anyone has been through sexual trauma that there are uh there you can get in st louis you can get free services uh at the ywca women's resource center we have phenomenal is that for men and women? For men and for That's women. Awesome. And, we like inclusivity. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> they can work with, you know, they can work with uh, your ad, the advocates and making the choice on whether or not they want to go to the go to the hospital, whether or not mm-hmm. they want to file a police report <clears throat> or get help through that process. And what? then they have therapists that uh, will see them through that entire process as well. What's the uh, website or the contact info? So uh, you can contact, I think it's www.ywcastlouis.org, ywc st louis.org um there are other there are several other agencies in Mm -hmm. st louis that also do trauma focused counseling like safe connections and uh center Mm -hmm. for trauma recovery so there there are lots of options for people um but the yeah the ywca is one where uh it's free we're big on empower our our Mm -hmm. mission statement you know has to do with eliminating racism and empowering women so we are Mm -hmm. people's biggest advocates but we do even though our name is the ywca women's resource center we we see both men and women and we have a domestic violence part of our agency as well to help that's awesome uh, for, so we do lots of crisis intervention mm-hmm. and BHR behavioral health response you know uh, so when we do crisis intervention with, through with through behavioral health response uh, you can call you have clinicians who are available 24 hours a day for who free are, for free they will come out to your we will come out to your home we will meet you in the hospital awesome. anywhere yeah. if you don't feel safe in you know having talking to someone at your home then we will mm-hmm. uh, we will you know we'll meet at we'll meet at McDonald's and talk to you and yeah. help get you connected with the resources that you need so there are awesome. so many things that we can do to help someone out who mm-hmm. uh, who needs the help uh, I'll also say um, you know there are other books of there if some of the things that you've people have heard us talk about today. Um, there are books like Wendy Maltz's A Sexual Healing Journey. Um, my former men, uh, my former mentor, uh, Alan Ranny, has uh, written a book called Unkind Gifts. Uh, mm-hmm. and she talks about the healing process that, uh, in there. And so I think... I think there are a lot of um, there are a lot of resources. My uh, my website, uh, if you're looking for more books and things like that, uh, www.hopehealreflect.com has uh, a, a bunch of trauma related resources for people. If you want to know about books and movies, that's a good place to go. 
Cool. Okay, cool. And then, of course, if you want to see if it, me as a therapist, it's www.therapistinstlouis.com. I have uh, two things coming up. One, my book, Helping Couples Overcome Infidelity, comes out at the end of this month. And I'm doing an event associated with that um, called Let's Talk About Sex. It's at Foam on January 29th from 8 to 11. And it's going to be a big conversation. Uh, we have several speakers coming to talk about different areas and sexuality. And of course, I'm going to talk about sex because that's what I talk about. <laughs> and then I'll also be signing and selling my book there at the event. So I hope you guys can come. Yeah. And thank you for joining us. And as always, you can find us on Google Play or iTunes or mm-hmm. anywhere else where podcasts are shot out into the void. And <laughs> you can also find us at www.aboutsexpodcast.com. And if you go there, actually, I post a blog every week that goes with the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I try to be funny in there, but not always. But you He's never know. Humorous. <laughs> I think he does a good job. Yeah. And <laughs> if right. you want to check out the last one, we actually talked, I wrote a little thing about the whole Honolulu thing. So you can mm-hmm. hear yeah. more about nuclear warfare and all that good stuff yeah good times and if you know if other people are interested in you know hearing us talk about trauma-informed care in more depth at the hawaii Mm -hmm. conference so the national partnership for ending interpersonal violence npeiv.org and the institute of violence and abuse about uh, institute of violence abuse and trauma iva that there's an an international uh trauma summit in hawaii so yeah when is that uh, that is mid-April, April 16th through the 20th. Or you could probably look up International Trauma Summit. Yeah, Institute. Yeah, Honolulu. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah IVAT, IVAT, Hawaii, okay. Hawaii Trauma Summit. And that, awesome. We hope people will join us there so we can talk and help people support with self-care. Well, I'm sure awesome. a lot of people there need some self-care right now. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. that's the only one they get this week. So. My heart goes yeah. out to them. Well, I know, thank right? you for it's joining scary. us, and thank you all yeah. for joining us as well. It's been a great episode. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye, everybody.